Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, in addition to the prop show we did earlier, it's the second part of our Super Bowl preview and X's and O's breakdown of the big game. Joining me to talk about that will be Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman, to break down the running games of these two teams, and Nate Tice of The Athletic to talk about the passing games of the Chiefs and Eagles. But first, I wanted to tell you about another ESPN podcast, and that is in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions. They present Kyle Brandt's Basement, led by NFL Network's Good Morning Football host, Kyle Brandt. This Sunday through Thursday show explores the ins and outs of the NFL through lively guest interviews, including Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, every Tuesday. That's Kyle Brandt's Basement. Listen wherever you are listening to this podcast. All right, joining me now here on the Bill Barnwell Show, someone who understands the running game inside and out as a former NFL offensive lineman, which is one of the many reasons we're having him on to discuss the running element of this year's Super Bowl. And it's my friend, Jeff Schwartz. Jeff, what's up? Oh, man, not much. You know, just doing the old Super Bowl, Super Bowl circuit, getting ready for the game, man. It's a lot of fun. This is a fun week, man. It's like, you know, this whole buildup for this this one game, you talk it through, you think about everything, and then hopefully everything you say happens like you said it would on Sunday. And normally – I don't know. It's like 50-50. Some, some things you say work and some things you say just do not happen at all. Yes. I'm still waiting for that year where everything happens the way I expected it to. Uh, if it does, I'm retiring immediately if, afterwards. If it, <laughs> if it did, if it did, we'd be really rich. You know, like if, yeah. if all my if all my prop wagers went exactly how I thought the game would go, I'd be pretty rich. So it's not always, <laughs> the, way, it's not always the way it goes. Yes, absolutely. Um, I wanted to have you on. Of course, you are a former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman under Andy Reid, so you have a lot of insight there. Also, to talk about the Eagles, this is a really fun matchup um, in terms of the Philadelphia run game, and we want to talk about the Kansas City run game as well. So let's start with the Eagles side, though, and let's start with Jason Kelsey because I feel like you know he has gotten so much attention over the past few weeks, maybe because he's retiring, maybe because it's Kelsey versus Kelsey, maybe because of how he played in the NFC Championship game, but just to paint a picture from your perspective, how different does this Eagles running game with Travis Kelsey look versus other teams and their running games? Well, I think it's the versatility of what of what Jason can do, right? So he can, you know, he can block you straight straight ahead, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he can also get on the move really well, right? So it allows you to do so many different things and give, and give the defense so many different looks, right? You have one look where, okay, you're running zone this way. Okay, next time, actually, mm-hmm. it looks like zone. But nope, Kelsey's pulling around the left guard, you know, to, to create this this big gap between the left you know, left guard and left tackle. Here he is running up the middle, mm-hmm. you know, running between those guys to block the linebacker. Oh, it's a quarterback draw. Here's Kelsey leaning down the field. Like, there's so many things you can do with him. And if you try to say, look, we're gonna we're gonna man up. Or, you know, we're, we're gonna put a zero nose on this smaller center. It doesn't matter because he's so quick off the ball. He's so explosive. He's so powerful that it, the versatility allows the Eagles to do so many different things. Where you know other guys, some centers you have to hide. Some centers you can't have one on one block. Some centers can't get on the move. So the versatility it allows them gives the Eagles so many options in the run game that it makes it hard for for, for defenses to stop. Mm-hmm. So if you're a defense, like, is it a thing where you, you don't know where you're going to have to prepare, like where you're going to get hit from? Well, yeah. So the way I would defend the Eagles right now mm-hmm. is I would force Jalen Hurst to keep the ball in every single RPO. Mm-hmm. I would force him. I, Cause I would say, look, I think the Eagles have a, have an advantage when they're building those double teams right now. Right. When you have a double team on Chris Jones, a double team on, on whoever else is playing besides him. Right. Whether mm-hmm. it's Saunders or someone else. Um, and also, too, I'm really concerned about the Chiefs on the third down. The Eagles love to run the ball in third and medium, which I absolutely mm-hmm. love. And you put mm-hmm. you put Dan in there, 51, and he's going to get shot to the moon by a double team, um, you know, by by Mulata and Dickerson there. So, like, you – so I would force her to keep the ball. It takes, so it takes away – those you know, those double teams now are mitigated, right, because you're not handing the ball off anymore. And mm-hmm. also – 
it's very clear that Hertz is not a, is kind of favoring getting that shoulder hit when he runs. Mm-hmm. It's just more opportunities to hit him. And I know that sounds maybe a little harsh and maybe not in the spirit of I don't know football, but that is what football is, right? Like there's a disadvantage. Maybe Hertz isn't 100, percent and you can kind of get that out of him by forcing him to be more of the ball carrier in this game. But again, mm-hmm. it takes away those double teams. Like it, it makes the Eagles' offensive line it takes the game out of their hands. And now puts it onto the edge if you throw if you throw the pass or to Jalen Hurts and you say okay Jalen like how many times are you willing to run the ball and and possibly get your shoulder hit? Mm-hmm. So when you say put it on Jalen Hurts schematically, what do you how how would the Chiefs go yeah. about doing that? So um, it, it's called a, I call it gap exchange. And look, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm qualified to talk about this because I was at the forefront of this with, with Chip Kelly in college. I was at right. Oregon. His senior, my senior year, his first year at Oregon, and we not that we invented the read option, but we got popular. Now, Rich Rod was running a little bit of it; it was running on some mm-hmm. lower levels, obviously. But like, we brought it mainstream. So when we installed these runs, we went through all the machinations of like how teams would stop us. Like we saw it throughout this year, and mm-hmm. the way teams do it is they do something they call a gap exchange, right? Where yep. the read has been the same for every, every, for, for years and years. The quarterback is reading. The, I'll take that back. There's different reads. You can have a, mm-hmm. a pre-snap read and a post-snap read, but most commonly, the quarterback is reading the defensive end. Okay, yep. the defensive end crashes down, so he takes that B gap, essentially mm-hmm. B to A gap. He removes himself out of the C gap. The quarterback keeps the ball, right, because he's going to tackle the run. He's unblocked, and the mm-hmm. linebacker scrapes across to fill that gap. So they're gap exchanging right now. The B gap and A gap is taken by the defensive end. The linebacker has the C gap now, right? Now, yep. of course, that puts, let's say, like a Willie Gay on a Jalen Hurts. I would actually favor Jalen Hurts in that matchup, right? So, like, that's, mm-hmm. that's a disadvantage for Chiefs. But you can also sort of gap exchange with, with, with a safety being that guy, too. Mm-hmm. So, you have a safety fill that spot. Linebacker stays in the box. Now, you have one less defender, obviously, to defend the pass if it's a play-action pass. Or if they're going to throw an RPO behind that safety. There's different ways you can do that offensively to stop that. But there's, again, you can force the ball out of his hand based off of a pre-snap look, have too many guys in the box, or a post-snap mm-hmm. look, have that gap exchange. And the Niners tried it. The first, the first touchdown on Sunday, I guess now previous Sunday, to Miles Sanders, the one when he walks in the end zone. The Niners mm-hmm. did a gap exchange. The problem was the backside tight end, and it was Goddard, blocked the defensive end. And so mm-hmm. it gave it gave, it wasn't really a zone read. It was a straight handoff. And the Niners got caught and because the linebacker scraped outside to take Hertz and the defensive end was blocked and there was no in the middle of the field. So that's the, you know, that's the risk you run. If they just run a straight inside zone and you gap exchange, you're dead in the water. You, you're, mm-hmm. There's no one in the middle of the field. So that's why the safety being that guy is kind of the fill guy on the gap exchange makes more sense, especially because he likes to, he likes to pressure so much. Trent McDuffie has been good at tackling. He doesn't be a safety be a nickel corner someone like that sneak, you know, someone to, to be in that role. Um, mm-hmm. That feels like a way they would do this. I just, I don't think the Chiefs want, I wouldn't want to line up and say, let's let's play like six on six big boy football in the box. Like that's the <laughs> Eagles advantage in my opinion. So I think if oh, you force Jalen Hurts, if you force him to, to be like the runner or the, R, or the thrower in the RPO, you lessen the impact of that offensive line. Yeah, I mean, we saw last week where the Eagles were taking advantage of um, the Niners having an overload to the strong side, and they were running to the weak side. They were running, um, you know, different concepts to the weak side, some zone reads, some some option stuff. Um, and then Niners countered, and they started to bring Hufanga back into the box. And then we saw the um, Ted DeWittner about this with the Athletic, the um, the Jalen Hurts run where they brought in Boston Scott, Boston Scott blocked Tafanga, and then it was just Jalen Hurts with Kelsey leading on a lead draw for a big game. Yeah. And there was no one there because the safety had been in the box and they'd been adjusting to that. So I think, you know, it, it really seems like it's tough for the Eagles because they just have so many counters to, you know, yes. the ways you might have to defend something. It, it really is an advantage to have in quarterback like Hurts and, and you and the Eagles, I think, smartly building the offense around his talents, right? Like, you just, you mentioned the, the extra blocker on the box. Like you have an extra blocker. Like and even even on the on the on the touchdown, the second mile center's touchdown where Kelsey pulled around. They had the little fold block between left guard and center. The linebackers were late to fill because they were worried about Jalen Hurts keeping the ball. Like even that split second decision 
of like, mm-hmm. oops, he might, he might not like that's enough in the NFL for running back to not get touched. Right. And it's, it, they, they, it's such an, it's, they have built an offense for Jalen Hurts. Obviously, Jalen Hurts is excellent on offense. And I, I give the Eagles credit for saying, look, we're going to build an offense that fits what our quarterback does. We're not going to make him do something that he's not good at or that, you know, that, 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 that doesn't fit what he does. We're going to build an offense for him. We're going to use our pieces we have up front. And they deserve a lot of credit for that because they do that really well. Yeah. I mean, it, it has really become a, a multiple rushing attack. They have so many different ways to do it. And then Kelsey just adds sort of a compounding factor. Um, how valuable do you think Jeff Stoutland is? Oh, my God. I mean, how much <laughs> – like, I don't even know – think about this. The Eagles have have eight – they dress eight offensive linemen, I believe, and all eight are mm-hmm. drafted, okay? Mm-hmm. They have a first-run offensive tackle. doesn't even play on Andre Diller. Um, mm-hmm. and, and basically, all those guys except Kelsey were drafted by Stoutland because Kelsey was, was an Andy Reid pick. Wayne Johnson was the first player drafted by Chip Kelly, which was Stalin's first yeah. season. Um, and then you have obviously Isaac was drafted in the, in the in the third round, I believe, at Oregon State in 2016. You have mm-hmm. Malata, who did not play football, American football, <laughs> until until I was I was reading I was writing an article about this for Fox Sports, and I was like looking it up. So he played rugby. He, yep. Like there was some there was some scouting video that, that went about IMG Academy in Florida. Saw it was like, hey, do you want to learn how to play football? They brought him to you know to IMG in, in February of 2018. Stalin was saw him for some reason and drafted him two months later in the seventh round. And all of a sudden he's a, a Pro Bowl, All Pro level player at left tackle five years later. It's incredible. Um, and then obviously you know, and then you know, and Land Dickerson. And look, sometimes you get luck, like Land Dickerson, for example, just like the Chiefs and Trey Smith. Like you kind of get lucky that guys fall to you, right? Dickerson was a first sure. round guy all the way. His knee, he hurt his knee in the SC championship game and he fell to the Eagles. Like you just kind of fall into that. You just kind of get lucky there. But to have the longevity of the players you've had, to sign them to contract, to avoid injuries, like it's all a huge plus. And Stalin deserves all the credit, man. Like it's it's so impressive. You you say draft and develop is the best way to build an offensive line, which is what I firmly believe. But you rarely get five or eight guys like they have. Draft and develop. It's it just it's so rare in the NFL right now, and um, yeah, he deserves as much money or more. I don't know how much they're paying him. Probably not enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just got a new deal, but I just think offensive line coaches. I mean, if you can get if you can develop two or three linemen on your roster, you don't have to go out and sign those guys as free agents. They keep your quarterback healthy. I mean, I think those guys are worth many. The really good ones it, it, are worth many it, millions it, of dollars. It's the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs draft. They have three guys they have drafted, right? Well, mm-hmm. I guess while he was undrafted free agent, so three guys they've developed, right? And they had the two free agents. Like that's that's kind of like sort of I think how you would ideally build it up, right? You, you get three or four guys on rookie contracts that you drafted, and you have one or two guys you pay a little bit too much money to, right? Like that's sort of the ideal offensive line, but it has to start with draft and develop. Like you have to have that as the core concept of of of, of your building for in my in my, in my opinion in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, something I've noticed from the Eagles, both in the passing game and in the running game, is that when they have a concept that's working, they just go back to it. They'll hit it over and over and Good. over again until you stop it. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, do you think more teams should do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Why don't they? Wanted, because, Bill, you followed this game long enough. Coaches, just they have egos, right? Like, you, you spend mm-hmm. all week preparing for – for stuff and you spend mm-hmm. all week drawing up plays and you're like i'm gonna run the freaking plays i stayed up all night to you know to you know to, <laughs> to, to, to 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 draw but i'm gonna i'm gonna and i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm, i dang it I, I drew this play up all week we're running this play and like they just have egos right and they want to and they want to impress they want to show how cool the formation is I mean, just run what works like i, I yes run until they stop it like, mm-hmm. if, if, if if the chiefs cannot defend inside zone on sunday Eagles should run it 27 times. Like, run until they <laughs> stop it, right? Like, I do not understand why you wouldn't do that as a coach. Just call it till someone stops it. So, I'm, I, I love it. I, again, if, if you have a scheme that you think works and it does work, keep calling until they stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a moment in your career where you had a moment where you guys were just moving the ball and you ran the same play five or six times in a row? Yeah, I mean, Carolina, we... um. 
we had this play we called Buster. It's my favorite run play of all time. It really is a great run really? play. Um, yeah, it's it's a mid zone with a fullback, and so um, you actually so you <laughs> the fullback is that kind of the focal. But you have to have a fullback that understands. And, and in Carolina, we had Brad Hoover who played who played running back in college, which is important. So basically, ideally, you run the ball to the three techniques. You run the ball front, you know, two two or three techniques. So that's a defense tackle shaded on the front side guard shoulder, outside shoulder, mm-hmm. and you read that guy. If, if And you typically get an eight-man box, you have a tight end and a fullback. So if the three technique expands out, so if you at the snap of the ball from the right guard, I go block the three technique, he goes outside, he goes to the mm-hmm. lane, then the fullback cuts back and blocks the defensive end who's unblocked, and the running mm-hmm. back follows him backside, okay? Because now mm-hmm. you're pushing all front side, and then boom, you wind it back a little bit. If the three technique goes inside the snap of the ball, the fullback stays front side, blocks the Sam linebacker who's unblocked if you run it back to the backside because he's not in the play. So you basically have one guy unblocked. Either the backside defensive end is unblocked or the front side Sam. And Mm -hmm. the fullback keeps it front side. So you basically have two different runs within one concept. We'd run that play, that and duo. Like we would run that play. I I love our duo now. Like that play's been around for 50 years. It's like now it's like, dude, oh my God, it's duo. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like when I got in the NFL in, in 2008, we ran duo and buster. Like we watched the Steelers and the Giants run right. duo 50 times a game. Like the, the, the Steelers teams with Ben, when they were making the Super Bowl every year, they had giant offensive linemen. They just ran duo every single run play. Like the funny, like people act like this is a brand new run that is invented in the mm-hmm. NFL seven years ago. He's running duo forever. We ran duo, duo and Buster till 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 the crows came home, man. Like <laughs> just run it, run it. Because Buster, again, you have so many different options. You can front side, back side. It's it's a very fun play to run. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um in terms of the Chiefs, now in terms of the running backs, I think everyone kind of agrees or at least believes they got a spark when they added Isaiah Pacheco to the lineup to replace Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who is coming back for this game with a high ankle sprain, but Pacheco, you assume, is going to be the focal back point. Um, but the running game has been inconsistent. They have not run the ball effectively, you know, consistently week after week, even though they have a bunch of talented offensive linemen, um, you know, and, and of course a passing game that teams are terrified of of dealing with. So what do you think is missing from this Chiefs rushing attack right now to get them to be a more consistent week-to-week uh, chain mover on the ground? I just don't. I don't like their run game. Um, mm-hmm. I it just it's very disjointed. All this these gun runs. I just I, I hate it. Um, mm-hmm. it. It you know I, I don't think they put much priority in it too. Like it's not what they want to do. So like the Eagles want to run the football. So they put priority into practice. I'd imagine running the football. The Chiefs you know, they have nine on seven like everyone else does. But the rest of practice is spent throwing the ball, which I I I get it. Like I'm not knocking the number one offense in the NFL. Like you have Pat Mahomes. Sure. Like I, I I get like okay. 15 go win us the game, but they have good, like to your point, they have good offensive linemen. We, we've talked about this, like under center, they're good when they want to run the football. They just, right. they just, they just don't. And the weird thing this year too, like they're really bad on third and short running the ball this year. I don't know if it's Trey Smith's ankle. It's bothering him, which he hurt during the season. It's kind of, he's not been the, quite the same player, but they're just not as good this year. And I don't really have a great reason why. I think again, the run game, is just disjointed. Like I don't like their gun runs. They try to RP. It's like a RP. They don't. They don't hit downhill fast enough. Also, in the backs just don't have great vision. Like that's part of it too. Mm-hmm. Is the backs like still Pacheco has the best vision of them all. Um, that's why he's playing more. And so it's this combination mm-hmm. of like the backs aren't great. I don't like. It's just a disjointed run game. You talk about the Eagles, right? Like they kind of lather into the same runs. So I thought like mm-hmm. they kind of just run it, run it, run. Okay, here's a little changeup of a run. The Chiefs don't do that. Like the Chiefs just don't go into a game and say, "Okay, here's our two and three really good runs. Like let's just get to these and see how we feel." That's not what they do. So I think it's just hard to get in a rhythm in, in that run game. I just don't like it. It just feels so disjointed and like not, not what it should be. But again, I can't fault them because they're so good passing the football and they have the best quarterback in football. Like, I get why they focus so much on passing the football. But like, are those two things mutually exclusive? Like, can you have the best quarterback and passing attack in football and still run from? Under center? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you can because I I think they should do more play action from under center too. So mm-hmm. like I I am I think that's a great I, I think that's like the greatest point in football is play action under center um right. from under center. So yeah, but it's just not it's not what Andy Reid is. I mean, look, 
Andy Reid is in his 60s, right? If I'm correct on that, like he's yeah. been calling football games for for he's been I think it's for 24 years now. He, he's wow. this is what he is, right? Like this is what he is. I think I heard him say he's 14 years in Philly and 10 years in Kansas City. He's been there, like he he's this is what he is. So to expect him to all of a sudden be this like I'm going to run the ball, it's just not what he does. It's not what he does. Um, again, nothing wrong with that. It's not he's not right or wrong. I mean, I, I of course I would like to see him run the ball more as a lineman, and and there are certain instances in games where they have trouble closing out games and they do not run the ball well enough at, at certain times. But this is what he is. He he is gonna a guy who wants to pass the football, and you know, it, it's a fault at times. I think, but. Again, like how much do you fault someone who's had this much success running offenses? I, it, that's the hard part for me. Like, I wish I could say, like, you know, well, Andy, you, if you run the ball, you'd be better. But what, what better, what better can they be? Right, the number one offense in the NFL. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, if if they end up being, you know, uh, how, how, like how how much better can they really get? But you did mention that third and short is a problem, and it's been there. One of the worst third and short offenses this in year, football yeah. this season. Um, one of the things they have done in the past that I wanted to ask you about, just to kind of lay out the impact it has on the defense, is the jet sweep. Because I do think we're going to see the Chiefs use the jet sweep, probably with Kadarius Toney, if he's healthy in this game, yeah. to try and slow down the Eagles and and sort of try to attack them without having to block the guys on the edge. Yeah, but the fly sweep has, was, is not, it, it has not been as good as it has been in the past. I mean, they, they know what they're going to. Like, in, in last week, they got what? Like, what I said, I tweeted about they got 1.1 yards, like needing a yard on third down on one of the fly sweeps. I think what they're going to do, I'll, I'll give you one. I think if Pat Mahomes is healthy, the, my favorite, one of my favorite run plays for them is they do a speed option with Mahomes mm-hmm. and they do that in big games. Like, if he's healthy, that, that's a great play. Speed option against, against like a fast pass rusher like Reddick or Sweat. That to me feels like a third down option for them. Than, than the fly sweep is is just running an option, you know. Mahomes, you know, get get the first down, get down, but give yourself an option to obviously keep the ball, pitch the ball, and I have to imagine there has to be a payoff for the fly sweep. They've done so much of it. The question is, what's the payoff, right? So there's the idea of you know you you you, you fake the fly sweep and you roll Mahomes out. That's a possible mm-hmm. option as well. Um, there's going to be, Bill, you know this, man. There's going to be one stupid play the Chiefs run in the red zone. It's going to be something. It's going to be like, it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be the, like this fly sweep, like counter. It's going to be something so stupid. You're going to be like, what, what are you doing? What are, you, what, what are we doing, Chiefs? It's going to be off this fly sweep. I'm telling you, man. Um, but, you know, the fly sweep to me, it, it has worked in the past, but like it hasn't worked as recently. Because, again, I think teams are realizing the Chiefs that don't run the ball very well on third and short. How about this one? What if the Chiefs bring out a quarterback sneak? Without That's the, that. my next question. They haven't done that since he hurt his knee. Mm-hmm. That was my next has, question, Jeff. I don't. I don't think he has one sneak attempt to dislocate his knee. Now they, they run sneaks with like Noah Gray. They put him at quarterback. They have zero with Pat Mahomes. If you do it at any time, it's Sunday. Mm-hmm. He said that. So they he they asked him or he was doing a press conference during the season and they asked him about the sneak and he said, I want to do it. But since the knee injury, which remember he, he suffered the dislocated knee against the Broncos, I think in 2019 has not run a sneak since they've run him on speed option. He did suffer, I think a concussion on the speed option yeah, in the playoffs yeah. against the Browns. Yeah, the Browns. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah. But I mean, you know, he, they've not done any sneaks with him. They've done it with Blake Bell. I think they may have done it with Kelsey once or twice, um, but they have done it, you know, the sneak with other people. And of course, the other side of the field, you have the Eagles, who have the push sneak, which is the the cheat code for fourth down. Um, I don't know if the Chiefs would do a push sneak. I don't know if they would do a normal sneak. But Mahomes said, "If I was ever going to do it, I'm saving it for the Super Bowl." So maybe this is the you know, one time there, you see there, Mahomes do it. There's sneak. no way. There's no way that they allow the push sneak to be in the NFL next season, right? There's no way, right? That, I don't, that's what do you think? I think it's going to be outlawed. I don't think they're going to let that happen anymore. It's too it was, easy, right? Like. It would be it feels hard to outlaw it, though, right? Like, 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 like how do you? Well, what, what's you, the call? You just say, you say that you can't push offensive players forward. So can you? Like, but like, you, can, you know, we say it, do it at the end of plays, like you know, when you have well, guys push yeah, forward to yeah. the pile. So yeah, but th- that often is you pushing the defender who's holding on to the offensive player. Ah, like, that's the, like that. That you. So that used to be the rule, right? Like you couldn't push. Like in college football, you couldn't push. 
the offensive players forward. It's why the Bush mm-hmm. push was such a big controversy. But you could push a pile forward if you hit a defensive player that was holding on to the offensive player. Mm-hmm. So that's the distinction, right? Like you can't physically push Jalen Hurts forward, but if he was being held up by Chris Jones, you could push Chris Jones, and that propels Jalen Hurts forward. Mm. That that that's that would be the rule change, right? Like you can't push your own player forward, but you can still push a defensive player like you're blocking him forward. Okay, um, that makes sense. Do you yeah. hmm, do you have a prediction for this game? I mean. I keep thinking the Chiefs are going to win. I don't. I don't feel great about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, those are are better everywhere, but you know, the quarterback, right? And this is the big difference. Is like, I just, you know, I, I just have this feeling like this is like the like this is like the the Andy Reid like masterpiece game that you like hold up in the Hall of Fame, right? You're like this is like this is the game plan right here, right? And like you have you're down a couple wide receivers. The Eagles have seventy sacks. Like there's monstrous defense, and you just slice up number one defense. Mahomes has had great success in his career facing number one pass defenses, by the way. Um, I mean, just a small sample size of that. But this just feels like that that game for me. I don't know. I right, maybe I'm just being a Chiefs homer, but I'll take a healthy. I'll take a healthy fifteen in this game. Uh, I have Chiefs uh, thirty twenty eight. Oh, I'm not. The, I think I have Chiefs thirty one twenty seven. So I don't think I'm far off from you. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny because I feel like early in the week it was all Eagles, 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 and now it feels like it's gone the other direction where people are more like, yeah, you know, the Chiefs the Chiefs are pretty good guys still. It's funny because when you say, like, isn't it crazy though, like, if you say, which is true, like, the Eagles' offensive line is better than the Chiefs' offensive line. The Chiefs' offensive line still has two all-pros. Right, it's not right? bad. It's like, right, like, the you know, the, the, the Eagles' defense line is better than the Chiefs'. Yeah, but the Chiefs still have Chris Jones and like Frank Clark mm-hmm. turned into like Frank Clark is like the best postseason pass rusher of all time. Um, mm-hmm. You know the Chiefs. You know the the, the Eagles secondary is better than the Chiefs. Yeah, but have you watched the Chiefs play recently? Like their secondary is pretty good. Um, you know, there's it's like the Chiefs are not that far away from the Eagles' talent wise. They just have a bunch of young players on defense, and they're a little injured wide receiver, right? So. Um, it's going to be – I am excited. I, I just want like, – for me, I'm a Chiefs fan, obviously. Like, I want there to be no more rushing Andy Reid. Like, this is – I want the end of that. Like, I want this is the end. Like, he wins this game. We're done with, like, is he this good? I do, it's done. It's done forever. It's over with. He's won the second Super Bowl. Like, no more of this, like, I don't know if you can win the big one all the time. Like, no more of that. I just don't – we're done with it. So, that's why I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for the end of the Andy Reid, like, uh, I don't know if he's really good. I don't know if it's – I'm a home he's not – Done forever. Done. Never talk about it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, second, you got to figure second Super Bowl would do that. Um, it's going to be a close game, I think, either way. But yeah, still, still, a, it could go in so many different directions. You know, it could be a blowout on the other side. It could be a close game for either side. So I think it's uh, going to be a, an actually fun game. I, I, I think the only blowout would be the Eagles, but not by that much, though. Like, there's no way you're not blowing it unless, unless you just sack Tom Mahomes 100 times, which is not that happened before. I mean, it's not out of the question. Oh, certainly not. I just don't think. I just think the Chiefs will have a plan for that. I'm a. I'm. I'm really looking forward to the Chiefs screen game this weekend. Ooh, yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, for sure. All yeah. right, Jeff. Where yeah. can people check out more of your Super Bowl coverage in the next few days? Yeah, just go to at Jeff Schwartz um, I, uh, at Twitter. My podcast is really smaller than you. Uh, that should be fun. Most of my coverage. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Bill. Take care. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8-S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. All right, thanks so much, Jeff. And now, joining the show to break down the passing element of the Super Bowl and these two teams' passing games live from, I believe, Radio Row, if I'm not mistaken. The hallway outside radio route. Not because the hallway. Not because they won't they won't let me in. Well, maybe that, but because I I'm trying to find a nice quiet spot if that even exists around here. <laughs> 
a, a man who is too good or not good enough for Radio Row, depending on who you ask. It is the Athletics, Nate Tice. Nate, what's up? I'm doing great. Uh, well, not, not much is up. I'm, I'm glad it's just a passing game. I, I was worried that I had to get some special teams notes ready, you know, for, for this discussion. So I'm glad you kind of went down the avenue that I uh, that I like to that I like to watch. Not nothing against special teams, but I like to watch and I like to talk about. So I I'm uh, very excited to join you, Bill, as always. Beautiful, beautiful. I don't. I'm not doing a special teams podcast. Frankly, someone should because it'll be the only special teams focused podcast on the Super Bowl that I can think of. Yeah, turn over every stone, man. You know, for content purposes. Uh, maybe that's, that's a true. YouTube video I can get 400 views on. That maybe, <laughs> maybe that, that maybe there it is, right? <laughs> well, we will today focus on your core competency of passing football. We will focus on it with both teams because they have two very interesting passing attacks here, and teams that have undergone changes over the off season. So I want to kind of just, you know set the scene for folks who are watching the Super Bowl. Let's start with the Chiefs. How has their passing offense changed over this year without Tyreek Hill and the lineup? It's it's they've gotten not just because they got rid of a 510 receiver, but they've gotten just bigger overall. Mm -hmm. And and not only just the receivers that they're utilizing and Juju Smith Schuster and MVS. And, you know, they trickle in some other guys, but all the tight ends that they use and getting into not only just 12 personnel with two tight ends, but 13 personnel with three tight ends and attacking vertically out of those looks, making defenses try to be basic. But also, I think the the, the Bengals game last year, that Twitch stream that you and I have talked about numerous times (laughs) where I was slandering various Bengals players for no no good reason because I was just so mad at what Mahomes was doing. Um, It was that. In that game, they were very spread to run, you know, spread to pass, a lot of RPOs. And that's stuff that the Chiefs still do. But I think now their offense has become more almost like they went back to the basics of passing the football, running the play action from under center out of three tight ends. I mean, that's something you used to see in like from probably the 94 Packers, you know, stuff that old school West Coast stuff. And I think that's where you see the kind of the next steps with this offense or just now it's. They kind of do a little bit of everything. It's kind of a greatest hits types offense for passing concepts as opposed to last year where it seemed a little more quick gamey and everything was underneath. I think now this is the way that they attack over the intermediate parts of the field. When you have a quarterback that can throw everything, well, let's run a little bit of everything. And I think that's what they're <laughs> doing now. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to talk about the move towards bigger personnel groupings. Like you said, not just 12, but also 13. They run two plus tight end sets more than 40% of the time now up from I believe 28% last year. So in terms of, you know, sort of, I think, sort of, I think sorry. you gave that stat in between the Olsen twins movie references on uh, ESPN daily with Pavla. <laughs> I think I did hear that stat. So I'm glad you got to repeat it again because it, it matters. It really does matter. <laughs> Also, the alternate references really went over more than I expected. Oh, I think I really, God. really struck a niche that I did not know existed in uh, in the Venn diagram of football fans and people who are aware of Olsen twins movies. I was just not. I had an older sister. That's my that's my defense but, here. I had a younger sister. I, uh, but. Uh, so I was I was I just wasn't ready for it. And I actually got I actually knew what you were talking about, which actually made me laugh even harder when I was in the car listening to it. <laughs> I when I this is gonna sound like a little spoiled suburban kid, but when I was in high school, uh, my parents went on spring break. They went to the Atlantis in the Bahamas, sure. and I was there. And I how many high school girls I saw running around, and even you know tween girls running around, going, "This is where the Holson twins were at at the Atlantis." Because I guess they had one of the movies there. I think I think I remember my sister was pretty excited about it too. So uh, really? that's why like my Holson twins like movie reference is just uh the atlantis was in one of their movies (laughs) i i when i lived in new york i did not meet anyone who said oh my god this is where they filmed new york minute uh the olsen twins movie (laughs) but to be fair uh that is that i may not have just heard it um yeah i i I wanted to ask about the sort of those bigger personnel groupings um yeah going to 12 going to 13 and having those two three tenants in the field so what does that make the defense do in terms of a personnel basis and how does that make things easier for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? So before with Travis Kelsey being such a dynamic player and, you know, I'll say his blocking is 
it's fine uh, as a blocker he's he's okay right. as a blocker and because he's such a dynamic receiving threat his defenses treat him like a receiver they they look out there they see they might see two tight ends on the field 12 personnel as everyone else calls it but they treat him like a receiver so that's 11 personnel so they treat it as a three wide receiver set and what was happening there is that's usually where a tight end can create an advantage is oh they have to match with bigger personnel groupings typically defenses match base to base you know there's exceptions like the bills run nickel every single play you know the cowboys run like these every single play but typically a defense will see 12 personnel and they trot out base which is either a three four defense or a four three defense the key mm-hmm. part of it is that there's only four dbs out there and there's more linebacker bodies so not only just using different variations of 12 you know having noah gray in there sometimes it's fortson in there sometimes it's gray and fortson or bell you know when he was healthy you know they were mi- mixing and matching those guys how the Chiefs were like, okay, you guys don't want to put um, heavy bodies on the field and let us pass on you. All right, so we're going to get into 13 with three tight ends. And then it's like, then it was, we're going to make you put the heavy bodies on the field, and then we're going to throw against it. Um, the other advantage of that was when teams wanted to keep the light bodies on there, they're like, nah, ha, ha, we're not going to let Travis Kelsey beat us. <laughs> they have been very successful running the ball out of those looks. So I think that is what they, they found is that that was their way to hold the pen last as our mutual friend Robert Mays will say that was <laughs> they, they hold the pen last was to get into these personnel groupings and now get to dictate putting the defense making the defense wrong or at least leaning towards being wrong just by sheer personnel and what they have to run and also another thing if a defense does match with base is that they're a lo- lot more sim- simplistic is mm-hmm. the blitz packages aren't as extensive um, coverage shells are a lot you know a lot less complex because there's a linebacker on the field, and I'm not going to teach my linebacker how to carry and match and do all this and cut rules and all those types of things. So those are all just random terms I threw out there. The defense people doesn't matter, but just random words. Um, but because of that, is now they become simplistic. It becomes way easier to throw the ball. And again, if they want to match with light bodies, then we can just run it on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and and I think I had the numbers here. Uh, do, 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 do. so when the Chiefs, when the Eagles face twelve personnel this year, they do match with their base forty five percent of the time. They'll go to a a a, a nickel package about thirty eight percent of the time, and then uh, a little more for the other groupings. But they will match up with base more often than not, or more often than uh, nickel. So that's an opportunity for the Chiefs. We saw uh, Jody Fort Joe. I, so is it Jody or Joe Fortson? Because I feel like it was Jody, and now it's become Joe. Has it become Joe? I always call him Jody. I just I, I, mumble, I mumble way through it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> the NFL's <laughs> website, Next Gen, has changed it to Joe as opposed to Jody. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, I was, um, yeah, learn something new every day with the Super Bowl. There's every mm-hmm, stone, every stone's mm-hmm. getting turned over. <laughs> but we saw, we saw, we saw a member of the Fortson family whose first name begins with the letter J. J. Uh, J. Pick Fortson. Up, Jay Fortson pick up like a 40 plus yard play on the Chargers yep. where he was up against yes. uh, Bryce Callahan and, and he ran like a uh, a wheel, a motion wheel and mm-hmm. and Mahomes threw like the best pass of the entire year, which from Mahomes standards is pretty impressive. Um, you know, like like there's going to be explosive plays if they stay in that personnel grouping. So if you're the Chiefs, is that something you're going to really try and hit hard to match up with what the what the Eagles have to work with on defense? Like, how would you try and attack the Eagles given you figure that they have such a good pass rush? Yeah, I, um, that's it. I, I know we're talking about passing games and everything, but I do think it's going to be a more run-heavy script from the Chiefs because the Eagles' defense is very, very good against the pass. And I still think that, you know, if they did have a weakness, is that the run game, they're more fine. Their run defense is more just kind of middle of the pack, especially against those heavier personnel groupings. Um, uh, I'm trying to find the stat right now, but I do think it was either 12 – when they do defend 12 and 13 personnel is that I think they're like 16th in success rate and rush success rate when they're typically top 10 or top eight and everything that matters, <laughs> you know, just yes. getting them to be a little bit worse. So I think that's how the chiefs are going to do it is just to make them pick their poison. Like, all right, you're going to let us, the, the chiefs have a strong offensive line, like literally strong offensive line. And that's a way to get the pass rush to slow down. Oh shoot. We got to worry about them, you know, double teaming us as opposed to just pinning my ears back. Oh, now we got to, uh, I have to get around the tight end. The tight ends also unlock, you know, more play action concepts. Um, you know, they're able to kind of get more to, they can get to different formations out of that. Uh, the Chiefs, I think, uh, against the Jaguars, they were getting into in the playoffs in the divisional round. 
they were getting into that 13 personnel look and then they would motion uh, or no this was against the Bengals. they were getting a 13 personnel look and they're motioning kelsey to the slot like a slot receiver and then they ran four or five different plays off of that including the hook and ladder to <laughs> the failed hook and ladder that they tried in the red zone that was a 13 personnel play um but you know they motioned force into the slot there but it just kind of lets them be a little more adaptable or more um, expand their offense without really adding too much mental stuff. As mm-hmm. And it makes the Eagles, you know, puts them, you know, behind the eight ball a little bit where it's like, okay, we have to guess that they're going to do this because you know, you're always going to be worried about Mahomes. So I think that's what it is. It just puts some worry into the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And, and certainly there is a, you know, like, like, there's going to be a, a, a punch and a counterpunch, right? Like we talked about a yes. little bit with Jeff in the first segment of the show where it is like, you know, it's not just going to be, oh, we have one move and then you're not going to be able to counter that move. Like right. stuff is going to evolve as the game goes along. So I, I'm intrigued to see how the Eagles match against that that grouping. I'm intrigued to see what happens with the Chiefs once they see how the Eagles match. Like we saw the Eagles last week kind of evolve, you know, and change up their running game as the game went yeah. along. And so I wonder, um, you know, what that's going to mean for the Chiefs in the passing game. Um, yeah. Well, that's that's another thing with the Chiefs have evolved. I know we're talking about passing game, but the Chiefs have evolved their run game this year, and not just the personnel, but the types of runs they run. Um, they made it all work. And I also think too is that when the Eagles played the Chiefs last year in uh, the 2021 season, they matched. They treated Kelsey like a receiver. So I'm curious if you know, do they look at this year's film? And they go, no, that's what we're treating like. So I know it, it's it, it's like you said, the pounce and counter punch was especially with some really good coaching staffs that know personnel really well. It's and see how they're going to kind of create those advantages. How do you think the Eagles will deal with Kelsey in this game? Like when he's he's on the backside of the three by one sets, will it just be Darius Slay or, or James Bradbury in man? Or how do you think they'll handle that? I think you, you nailed it right there. They got two very good corners that are, I would say they're overly physical, but they're willing to be physical. And mm-hmm. I think that matters a lot. I think they are. The Eagles kind of run what they run on defense. Like they, they yes, they they tweak some things and they um, will change what they lean into depending on the week. But they're a zone heavy team, and so I think you might see where they're going to be aware of where Kelsey is. And I, I'm curious because a lot of teams will change. They'll run two man against him. They will drop an end and have him like collision Kelsey as well. So I'm wondering if some of those exotic looks. I think that's really not just with Kelsey, but way to kind of make Mahomes just to get an edge against Mahomes is just to make him hesitate that split second. So I think there's going to be a lot of rotating coverages, even if none of them are exotic. I think there's just going to be like, oh, they're running cover three here, cover four here, cover two. They just run a little bit of everything just to change the picture on them. Uh, Kelsey also adapts his routes a lot. So that also may change the picture on him when he's trying to kind of ad lib his routes like he likes to do. I was going to ask about that. Like, like how much do you think, how much freedom do you think Kelsey has to improvise stuff in the passing game? Like a terrifying amount of stuff. <laughs> He's Robin Williams out there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, yeah. It's I, I can't believe they allowed him that much. I actually was just joking about this earlier. They, I think they said they let Kelsey and Mahomes kind of go off to the side and practice like on moves for ten minutes. But they, I, it's, I mean the the play, the third down play at the end of the Bengals game in the regular season. So whatever that was, week thirteen, that that where they dropped eight, the Bengals did. Kelsey mm-hmm. was in the same spot as another receiver, and it's because he just ran to an open space. And to me, as a the former coach in me and the former quarterback in me, like I'm screaming the whole time, but then it's like, they're really good. So you kind of let the good players do it, but they get a ton of – it's kind of fine space as opposed to ad-libbing, and I think that's what it is. And they just – they maximize it where they do it on a ton of plays as opposed to just one or two, you know, some te- like some teams might have for those types of routes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Last year, we talked about the Twitch where you got very mad at the Chiefs for their RPO game. Is it better this year? It is. Uh, and also, there's times Mahomes is handing the ball off when I'm actually like, oh, you should have thrown that one. When I think last <laughs> year, the problem was he was throwing every single one, which I, I get it. Like, if Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, you kind of want to do that. But sometimes you play a defense that goes, I know that you want to do that, and we're going to take it away. Um, I think they just they just don't lean into it as much. They like to... When they're in the two tight end looks, they like to run the little RPOs where they have two tight ends to one side, two receivers to the other side. Uh, it's a formation I call hip slot. YY wing is another way to call it. And they run RPOs that where they run double slants. Actually, the Eagles run that as well. So they kind of they call it like three or four times a game as opposed to last year where it was like every run play was tagged with RPOs. So I think it's more they just like trickle it in, just give, hit, hit those easy buttons for Mahomes. 
Um, with the Eagles passing attack, uh, they're a team that uses a lot of RPOs. Yes. Are you surprised? Or, or actually, let's do this. Of course, this is not new. Teams have run RPOs. The league is aware RPOs yes. exist. Do you think the Eagles' success with, with RPOs will encourage more teams to lean more heavily on them next year? Um, no, I, I think what your first statement was actually probably what it is. Everybody kind of has them now. I, I think right. um, I think maybe when teams are going to be more willing to use them to help out maybe young quarterbacks and make it like, hey, what just but hey, you ran like this in Jones. Yeah, Mac Jones. Well, yeah, I mean they should. <laughs> um, but that's what that's what you have to lean into is that is that that helps out the quarterback so much because it's a one read thing and it usually it's an easier pass, you know, a slant or an under route or something of that sort. Um, so I think that's where I think coaches are more willing to do it. I think um, even five years ago when the the other Eagles team, the 2017 team, was doing it, a lot of people are going, "Oh, that's gimmicky. It'll get run out of the NFL soon." But just like every new fad that hits the NFL, it becomes distilled and becomes like a purified version of it. So I think mm-hmm. I think teams are may, there might be some more. They look at maybe what uh, college teams are doing to expand their RPO world, but it's not going away. I think every team's going to have their group of RPOs in there. Every team also has bubbles and flats, um, right. what, what I call package plays. That to me, you can call them all RPOs. But I call those package plays as opposed to downfield slants, which are RPOs to me. That's just me being mm-hmm. an old coach and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretentious. <laughs> um, but those package plays, those aren't going anywhere because that's a way you control defenses and help your offense like have a nice, easy, you know, five, seven yard gain for that can go for more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And and certainly, you know, it has helped Jalen Hurts. But what else do you think is like Jalen Hurts' growth as a passer? Like, 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 where has he gotten better to your eyes? this year than even a year ago he's thrown to a guy named aj brown and that, like, <laughs> that, that, that is that's the, my first apparent like oh you really improved oh number 11's really improved too um but it but i, I would say that uh is i think with hurts is he's also anticipating throws a lot better um he still doesn't throw over the middle as much as i would want to but really it doesn't matter so far but this game it might uh, spoilers, but I, I think <laughs> that he is um, leading throws. He's throwing it, he, even though overall he wasn't great against the blitz this year. There's numerous times where he was beating a blitz with a throw because of his timing. I think that's where he improved the most. Is yes, he does have a lot of plays where he holds onto the ball and he's you know kind of creating mode. That's kind of like how that's his game. Um, I think there's been a lot more times now where he sees a blitz coming, he goes one, two, three, and then drop and he lets lets the ball rip with anticipation. You know, real. Mm-hmm quarterback shit <laughs> that's that's kind of it's a compliment is that's kind of how he is really he's doing that more last year i saw maybe once or twice and every other time is that if he was facing blitz he went straight into scramble mode which is what the bucks abused last year in the playoffs against them and i think this year now he's found different answers for high leverage high stress moments and leverage moments i think he's just understood to take check downs on third and long because uh, you mentioned this on the show with pablo uh, take those checkdowns because they know they're going for a fourth down. He, mm-hmm. even though there's been, there's been games like the Bears games, the one that stands out to me where he's maybe pressing a little too much. I feel like he understands to just take what the defense gives him and finds those answers. Like he's just finding true every route route on the concept as opposed to maybe just one. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think I do think there is a real, real improvement of him finding answers. I think that's the best way I can put it. Does he look any different to you? coming back from the shoulder injury over these past three weeks than what you saw earlier in the season? Yeah, he, he does. I mean, the throwing motion looks exactly the same. There's not like he's like kind of dropping the arm or anything, but I, I do. Obviously, it's affecting him. Um, I think there are moments where a lot, a lot of times he's thrown to his left as well, and I think maybe because you have to use more legs with that. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or, sorry, use, like using the legs and that, the arm has to come around if you just... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm in the hallway right now looking like a freak, by the way. <laughs> I just did that throw what I'm talking about right now. If anyone's listening to this, I just realized what I was doing. I'm not in my office in Vegas anymore. Um, is, is, is that I think when he has to step to his left and use more of that arm and, and to like wrap it around, I see that where the ball's kind of going behind some of the receivers. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's the go ball stuff, but to me, go balls, and I, there there has been some effect with it. Go balls are going to do that, though. They're called 50-50 throws for a reason. Right. Sometimes you crap out five times in a row. It just happens. <laughs> so, like, those are not really where I'm seeing it. I definitely know that. But <laughs> sometimes I'm, I'm just not seeing the 
those kind of sprays. I've seen more kind of the short intermediate sprays. But then he'll have a couple of throws where it's like, hey, it looks fine. Um, but then the other aspect is, of course, the design runs. I think there have been times where he's tough as hell. That's Hertz's number one quality is that he's, he's one of the toughest dudes in the league at, at any position. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where some of the design runs, it seems like he's pulling the parachute a little, where he's like, eh, I, I'm just going to get down here because the coaches told me don't get more hurt. So I think that's where you're, no pun intended, but I think that's where you're seeing some of the, the drop off a little bit because it's he's getting four yards instead of eight, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when he's running the ball or those 50-50 throws and the, the underneath throws, he's missing just one or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the the numbers, the adjusted completion percentage for him, which adjusts for... I think there's drops there's throwaways and then there mm-hmm. is uh you know like adjusting for the depth of the pass those numbers are down for sure um for him i think he's like 58 now during the last three weeks and then he was in the low to mid 70s like 73 i want to say wow. uh earlier in the year so that has dropped it could be a three game sample and one of those games against the niners who are really good so you know yeah. you, you don't want to like read too much into it but it does look like there is some evidence at the very least that he yes. has taken you know, a bit of a step backwards since the injury. Yes, absolutely. I mean, even the game that he got hurt, the Bears game, obviously he's hurt in that game that made him miss time right. afterwards. I mean, after he took he took two shots, I'm, I still don't know which one it was, but it might have been cumulative. Um, but he was start spraying all the throws in the second half of that game. And it was like, mm-hmm. okay, all right, obviously your shoulder's hurt. Now that we know your shoulder was hurt, it's very obvious when I'm watching this film. I watch these other games, I'm like, you know, the throws that he is spraying, the throws that he is missing is that, okay, but that happens on those types of throws. But I do see it in those that short – people are making out about the go balls, but I, I'm glad he brought up the adjusted completion because I do think it is more some of those outward throws towards the sideline. You're seeing it where the arm really has comes into play because you have to put a little more oomph on it. And I think that's where it's hindering him a bit. Makes sense. Um, with the Chiefs in the secondary, of course, starting – at least one rookie cornerback in Trent McDuffie. Last week with Legarius Sneed out, they were playing three rookie corners against yeah. uh, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. <laughs> Higgins. And they won. Yes, they won they a game where they didn't score a ton of points. So can they survive against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? Like, how do you, if you're Steve Spagnuolo, what are you doing in this game to try and give those corners the best chance of succeeding uh, a lot of double <laughs> a lot of doubling aj brown and maybe Devonte smith as well which i know steve spagnola has in his kind of repertoire is that he will he will go into the double coverages where they they run it looks like quarters where there's two safeties high and those yep. safeties are double teaming two of the receivers your two best weapons he will do that um and also that Bengals game uh there's a little more carryover from that AFC championship game than I initially maybe thought um, as far as how what the Chiefs were running. The But when you look at the makeup of the teams, it kind of makes sense. The Bengals are a gun-heavy team. They run from the gun, just like the Eagles do. They have two very good receivers, uh, outside receivers as well. And when you watch that game, what the Chiefs did was, okay, we're going to double Jamar Chase every time he's the long receiver. And what they did was we're going to double the slot, Tower Boyd, but uh, Boyd got hurt, and it was kind of funny when seeing Trent was was his name Irwin. Uh, he looks like he looks Trent like Adam Irwin, Cole. Yeah. yeah, he looks like Adam Cole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Trent Irwin, baby. And so, yes. so it's kind of funny how many double teams he was drawing because that's what the game plan was, and that's why yes. he, it was a T. Higgins game because he he gets the one on one. And to me, what I saw with the Chiefs defense was doing was. Let's use the sideline as our as our our ally, as our the twelfth defender, the twelfth man. Uh, I know that's trademarked by the Seahawks, but <laughs> by using that and walling, that's where the T Higgins dunk, which would have happened to any corner, was use the sideline, wall him towards the sideline, make the room for error so small that it's not a great throw to throw. That it's not like mm-hmm. uh, there's better answers out there. And so I think there's going to be a little more care over that. Uh, that's how they kind of they're going to double one guy for sure every snap. I'm curious if they do double two and where, you know, because they will move Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown into the slot. So I'm curious. That's, I think that's how they will go about it. And those corners, for how young they are, they've, I mean, Watson's played, he's played well this year for a seventh round rookie corner. He's actually like a oh, fine sure. starter. It's ridiculous. And so, like, you know, they're going to hold their own, but it is going to be tough because those guys are so freaking good. 
Right. I mean, there, there's going to be plays. Like, like even in that last game, where they did a pretty good job. There was still, like you said, that Higgins play, yes. and then the, the Jamar Chase uh, <laughs> fourth down, where he just was a, a different human being than the guys covering him. <laughs> that was my guess. I was like, you guys didn't play. You guys didn't, weren't outfielders in baseball, were you? Because yeah. <laughs> that, that fourth and sixth, they, that ball went up in the air. Those guys did not track it whatsoever. <laughs> so Jamar did. Jamar did. <laughs> Jamar, Jamar's very good at doing that. But yeah, that's yes. exactly it. But that's how he's going to help them out. Is you don't have to cover him one. You're going to have to cover him one on one sometimes. But we're going to try and limit that. So I do think you're going to see more of that. Also, cover two as well, which is a mm-hmm. classic way if a guy's on the outside when when these guys is one receiver because that way you get the corner and the safety over there. Um, but I. I the, the Chiefs have been very good defending outside throws. It actually surprised me when I looked at the numbers and started really diving into their games leading up to the playoffs. But it's A.J. Brown and freaking Devontae Smith. So I'm sure they will get theirs at some point, but that's how they can make it hard on them. Mm-hmm. What about the pass rush to finish up here? We talked about everything else, but what about the pass rush for the Chiefs? Do you think they're going to blitz Jalen Hurts a bunch? Do you think they're going to try and rush four? Like, what do you think that looks like um, as the game plays out? I think on third and fourth down, they will not blitz. I think I think th- this is the least, the fewest uh, amount of snaps that Steve Spagnuolo, or fewest, our lowest frequency, I should say, mm-hmm. that Spagnuolo has blitzed as a coordinator since he's been with the Chiefs mm-hmm. uh, year over year. And but he, I, I, I don't, I think he has one blitz on third down in the postseason so far. Yeah, it's not. He's not doing it right now, which I get it. And but the blitzes might come up first and second down, which I like. Um, I, I I do. I understand why he's doing that. I think that that's another thing is the Eagles running backs aren't great protection. They, this has been the Cardinals game. This was very apparent. They are trying to, they've been trying to figure out who could do it for them or make, make way with that. That's a way to kind of, you know, maybe get a win, take advantage of their eyes. Spagnuolo's got every type of blitz in his, in his cupboard. It's, it's ridiculous what he could throw out there. So I do think you would see some blitzing on first and second down. Hurts again, isn't that hasn't been that great against the blitz but what he does on third and fourth down if you blitz him he's gonna throw a go ball like it's it's, yeah. it's locked in that's what he's throwing he's throwing he's mm-hmm. launching it he's gonna try and gash you which i understand but first and second down is where they can get that advantage maybe and put them behind the sticks so when they do check it down on third and 14 it's still only fourth and seven you know uh, uh so that they can kind of just make him play behind the sticks over and over so i think you see that i also think um i think chris jones they're gonna try and find ways to get the one-on-ones because the eagles o-line's pretty damn good but you have to find a weakness somewhere. So I, I'm curious if they align Chris Jones, which guard they put him over. I think they'll put him over Landon Dickerson personally. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm curious of how they unlock that uh, five-man fronts, blitz looks, how they kind of open that up for Chris Jones to win his pass rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, last year when they played, Chris Jones was mostly playing defensive end still. So now yeah. you know, he'll be back inside. I mean, he'll probably see a few snaps at, at end. But – that was also a game with Andre Dillard and Jack Driscoll at tackle. And the tackles the Eagles are lining up on Sunday are slightly better than <laughs> their two backers. Yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, yeah, Wayne Johnson, all pro, and Jeremiah my lot of like, like has potential to get there if he keeps developing in the way he is. So, yeah, that's a little different. Uh, when you were sending me those screenshots from that game, I was cracking off. Like, you're like, look at the tackles they're playing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big, big uh, improvement for the Eagles anyways. But that's why I think yes. – for the Eagles or for the Chiefs is that they have to win through the interior pass rush, which is always a goal, and they have to find figure out a ways to unlock it because Jeff Stoutland, the Eagles offensive line coach, is really good. He understands personnel. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, how they unlock Chris Jones especially is going to be really interesting. Oh, we had a whole talk about Jeff Stoutland and how much he's worth in the first half of the show, so you'll be excited to hear that part. Yay! <laughs> well, just, we just had a nice little discussion on Jeff Stoutland. Uh, wait, uh, it wasn't a lesson show, so don't worry about that. But it was a uh, top, the top ten non-quarterbacks that like led us to the Super Bowl. I believe is what the mm-hmm. theme of it was. And Stoutland was number one he, with a bullet, one A. Wow. Yeah, I know. You know, hey, we got we have a we have a type on that show. We, you know, we, <laughs> we 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 like to talk about certain things, and of course, he's going to personify that. Offensive line coaches, yeah, that does check out. Um, all right, do you want to give a prediction for this game? Sure, why not? I am going. <laughs> I am going with a Chiefs victory. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. I, if I want to give a score, I'm going to say it's going to come right at that over/under number. I'm going to go with 27-24 uh, for the Chiefs. I think it's going to be. Uh, there's going to be a lot of drives, but I think there might be a couple turnovers. You know, maybe some of the fumble luck goes against the Eagles. Um, and I think, I think, I think Spagnola does enough, and they just kind of run out of time for the Eagles. You know, they have to. Re- 
you know, they can't just go to the run game for the whole second half, making Hurts throw a little bit more, get him out of their preferred game script, and Patrick Mahomes is going to find a way. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's 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 a fair argument to make for sure. Uh, Nate, where can people check out the rest of your Super Bowl coverage this week? Uh, at The Athletic, uh, especially the Athletic Football Show podcast with, again, Robert Mays. Uh, he, usually, he must not be named is what we yes. call him. Um, <laughs> but, yes, The Athletic Football Show. You also find me in my written work at The Athletic or on Twitter. I probably will be posting a few stuff tonight. So, Nate underscore Tice. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Tremendous. Nate, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. All right. Thanks so much to my guests for this X's and O's show. Jeff Schwartz and Nate Tice, two former players, uh, two different perspectives on the game, but same prediction. Will I have the same prediction as them? You will have to see tomorrow in my column at ESPN.com. Or I, I think I, I didn't do a prediction on ESPN Daily. Uh, so you can not You can listen to ESPN Daily for more of my thoughts on the game, but no predictions there. Prediction in my column tomorrow on ESPN.com. Um, we'll be back next week on Monday. Recapping the Super Bowl. I know it's not really a surprising topic, uh, but that's what we're going to do. It should be a fun game. Hope you guys are looking forward to it. I definitely am. And we'll be back next week. So thanks so much for listening.